just want to say thank you, Pastor Dan, and to Mary for having me speak. Uh, not every pastor is free to give their pulpit to any, just any speaker, and so I'm very honored to be here today and to preach the message of the gospel to you. But before I do that, I just, and I, I got Pastor Dan's permission when I spoke to him, uh, to move in the demonstration of God's love through prophecy and word of knowledge. And he said, okay. So before I even preach, I just feel that the Lord just really wants to just speak to, he wants to speak to all of us. But sometimes he just highlights people, um, just I guess to get our attention or to really speak some deeper things or to affirm or confirm something. So before I do that, Father, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. You are so good. You are so sweet. You are so mighty and powerful at the same time. And Father, I just thank you that you are such a personal God, the creator of the universe, but yet so personal and so interested in every single person here. Father, let your your word go forth in power. Your word says that your word goes forth out of your mouth. And it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. And so today, Father, we thank you that your word was sent for salvation, for healing, and for freedom. And for this, Lord, we give you the honor and we give you all of our attention today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Lord highlighted to me, um, the Spirit of God is really strong in this area right here. And I just want to speak, ma'am. Right there. Can you just stand? And the body of Christ is, is, we bless you as the Lord speaks to you. But the Lord just um, has been speaking to me a little bit as, as I saw you. You've been through some really hard times. You've been through stuff. You've been through much. And the Lord has heard your prayers, even prayers that you just threw up at him and God. And the Lord says, I have heard you. I see you. I hear you. I know you. And the Lord says he wants to bring joy to you, deep, deep joy. He wants you to laugh. When you laugh, it makes his heart happy. And as you come to him and as you go into your prayer closet, the Lord said, you will find him and you will find his joy and you will find his peace. And he wants to say to you that the prayers that you are asking of him, he hears and the answer has already been sent on, on the way, but you need to believe that. And once you believe that God has heard you, the joy will come. You need to trust him. But days of joy are ahead of you. And he is lifting the burden of, of past things off of you, if you believe. And you will be lighthearted and very joyful. Amen. The body of Christ blesses her. Amen. In Jesus' name. And the young girl sitting next to you, are you related? Or Your daughter, can you stand, please? The anointing of God is just there. The anointing is the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is here. So, the Lord, I just really believe that the Lord is going to use you with girls that color outside of the box. Okay? Different. And the Lord is going to use you, even the creativity. You're a very creative person. Are you? Very creative. And sometimes we think, where is our creativity found in the word? Where is it? Where's my place? And the Lord says, he will send you girls, and you will have the mind of Christ to know how to minister to them. I see music. I see dance. I see painting. I see all of that around you. I see that you would take the resources of, of the creativity of your gifts and allow the Lord to use those to set a lot of young girls free because they look up to you. So I don't know if it's in a school, um, you know, um, environment or church or youth group. But if not, ask the Lord to put you in the right environment with girls that color outside of the lines. Amen. The body of Christ blesses you. Amen. Sir, I don't know. It's right over here. Are you with them too? <laughs> okay. Can you stand? <laughs> So you've always been in the background and pretty shy, pretty quiet. But you've always observed. You're an observer. And the Lord just wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal himself to you as a child. 
childlike faith will open the gates of heaven to you. Childlike. You don't need to understand it all, but you're a very deep person. But the Lord says, start with the small. Start with the little. Ask me questions. You have questions going through your mind like crazy. Am I right? Always asking questions. Always observing. And God wants to reveal himself to you as a child. And it's almost sometimes like Pastor Dan was saying, you know, we compare ourselves, you know, to other Christians and whatnot. We, we find that we fall, you know, we find ourselves falling short. You know what? No comparing. And it's not to start up here, but to start here. Childlike faith and go, you are my father. I'm your son. Just teach me like a, a true father would teach his son. And may the Lord minister that to you. Amen. Take a deep breath. You are. <laughs> okay. Just a couple more. Is that all right? Is that all right? I don't know you, uh, but are you, you're a pastor. Yes. Frank. Pastor Frank. Yes. Randy. Randy. I'm sorry. Yes. But um, I, I really, the Lord's just showing me that um, you are mentoring. You have the gift of teaching and mentoring young girls. Uh, the word of God says that the older, meaning more mature, <laughs> <laughs> we need to, <laughs> and I say this for myself too, <clears throat> but what the church is lacking today is the, is the older in spirit, mentoring the younger. And I just see your house full of young housewives, young married girls, just teaching them the practical things with the power of the Holy Spirit that they would live successful lives as young women of God. And so I just see that. I don't know how, but you have a gift of teaching, whether it's through things with your hands that you do, uh, you crafty person, cooking, I don't know what it is, or just even opening up the word and teaching and saying, you know what, in every area of life, you can bring God into the center and you will be successful as a wife, as a mom, as a woman of God. So the body of Christ just blesses you on that. Amen. Amen. Wow. Okay, one more. This young, <laughs> this young man with the hat. Uh, hi, Jonathan. Are you friends? Do you, yeah, you. Your brother. I never met you. Hi, I'm Lucy. <laughs> and I just really, I, I, I feel that the, the Lord just kind of drew me right over here. And um, he wants you to know that church is not God. Religion is not God. Church does not equate who God is. Religion has disappointed you. You've run from religion. God has never left you. God will never lead you. God made you exactly the way you are because he needs you exactly the way you are. The sin needs to go. But what is in you is precious because God put it there. And you will reach people that hate religion. And they think they hate God, but that's not God. You will bring to them the heart of the Father. You will bring to them the acceptance of the Creator, that He created them just the way they are because He needs them. He did that on purpose. And so that the Holy Spirit would fill you up and you would have such a hunger and a thirst for God that it's gonna, it, it, you're going to be crazy for Him. You're going to be radical for God. You are. So I don't know if you've been running from God, but I know you've been running from religion and that's okay. So get back with God the Father and let him show you who he is because God has such a plan for your life. It's powerful. You're going to be a preacher. And I'm not saying a preacher, you know, behind the pulpit. I mean that too if you want to. But you're definitely going to speak the word of God and you're going to speak the word of God in power for this generation. Amen. The body of Christ blesses you. Amen. Okay, are we ready for the word? Wow. What a great church. Praise God. All right, so uh, yes, this is my husband, and we've been married for 30 years. Could you believe that? It could still happen. It could still happen. God is so good. And um, yeah, we were 12. <laughs> That's weird, Aldo. That's just weird. <laughs> but um, this morning, I want to uh, share with you a message of power and authority. Power of author- and authority. The power and, and authority of the Holy Spirit is real. 
And the power of the enemy is also real. I want to say this again. I want to see if you catch this. The power and authority of Jesus Christ is real. The power of Satan is real. What did I leave out on the second one? Authority. And because we need to understand power and authority, because some of us don't understand it, we live, we live very defeated lives. And we think, oh, is Holy Spirit even real? Do I have authority? Does he, oh, the devil's harassing me? What is going on? So I just want to do a little bit of teaching this morning. Many Christians don't even believe that there is a devil, a Satan. And this is not a message to glorify him, but you have to understand who your enemy is. When you are sent out, you know, into the army or you're sent out the military, they make you study the enemy, where he's at, you know, what his strategies are and all of that, right? So that when you go to fight, you understand what you're fighting. You know what you're up against. A lot of Christians don't believe in the devil or that he exists. And so it's just a life of, well, whatever life just happens. No, it doesn't. In Acts 10.38, it says that Jesus went about doing good, right, and freeing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So the devil has a job to do, and we need to know what his job is in order for us to counteract that and to live out our purpose and our destiny in the fullest. So again, this is not to glorify the devil, but this is, I want to show you this morning, power and authority. So if you have your Bibles, which you all should, I used to tell the students, uh, do you have your Bibles? And they'd go, well, it's on our phones. It's like, okay, do you read your phones? I don't know, do you? I'm kind of old-fashioned. I like the Bible. It's very important to know the Word of God. Again, this is what I would always tell us. Is Trevin even here this morning? Yes. <laughs> he said he was. He's not. You better call him in here. <laughs> he used to be one of our youth students. But um, I love the youth. They're awesome. And I would say this. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you do not read the Word of God, then who are you following? And where is he going? If I'm following somebody, I better know where he's going because I'm not going to follow blindly. And so you need to know the word of God. Trevin, I just wanted you in here for, you know, support. (laughs) I love him. You need to know the word of God. You need to be familiar with his word so that you understand and you recognize his voice because the enemy is a liar and a deceiver and he will come and he will speak to you. And then a lot of times you say, was that God or was that the devil? Oh, we should know who that was. Amen. Mark chapter 5. I know a lot of you have different versions of the Bible and whatever's going to be put up there. I think that's uh, New King James. And uh, so I'll just, I'll just start reading. This is about a demon-possessed man. Now, not many churches or pastors are comfortable with preaching about demonic possession or the, that spirit realm. But it, again, it is very important. Last night, we had our church service, and we had a baptismal service. And my husband preached, and it was awesome. Then all of a sudden, he started preaching about hell. I'm like, how do we get hell into a baptismal service? But you know what? A baptismal service and a funeral service are excellent places to preach about hell and eternity. Amen? Because that's what we're faced for, the new life, the old life in eternity. Amen. So we preach about hell. We preach about heaven. And and we preach about the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had been bound often with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. 
Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large crowd, uh, no, a large herd, sorry, of swine, wow, was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 of these pigs. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he had got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with them. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. And with the authority of Jesus Christ right now, I just cancel every assignment from the enemy against us right now in Jesus' name. I pray against every demonic activity that would try to distract or close the eyes and ears of your listeners, Father. In Jesus' name, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 6.12 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. People, Satan is real. And he was found just at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. As soon as, as God created Adam and Eve, wow, he was there trying to work his schemes into their lives. And unfortunately, sadly, he won then. But Jesus came to bring us victory. Behind every work, there's an enemy, and his name is Satan. When Satan was in heaven, his name was Lucifer. Lucifer is a great name. Lucifer means bringer of light. Bringer of light. And so he was given power, which power is gifts and abilities. Okay? Gifts and abilities he was given as a worshiper. He was the head worship leader. Then he was given authority over all the hosts of the, uh, of the heavenly for worship. That's who he was. And to describe him in the book of Isaiah, oh my goodness, how beautiful he was. He was full of light. He was just something to behold. So he was given authority over the worship and he was given power, which was his abilities and his gifts to lead. Okay, this is a little bit of a time of teaching. Those of you who take notes, take these notes. When Satan, when God kicked Satan out of heaven because of his arrogance and his pride, because he wanted to be like God, he wanted everybody to worship him, right? He wanted to be God. God said, I don't think so. You see, I'm the creator. You're the created. I'm God. There's no one else, right? You need to leave. He took a third of his angels with him. They're called demons. When he left heaven, he still had his power his gifts and abilities, but he no longer had authority. Authority only comes through personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who is authority and is the source of all authority given to him. We were given gifts. We have gifts. That means we have power and ability. But if we don't know who Jesus Christ is and we don't have a personal, personal relationship with him, we have no authority. That's why you read in the scriptures, you know that when uh, it says that, uh, you know, at the end times, there will be many who will stand before Christ and say, I did this and I did this and I did this in your name. And Jesus said, you know what, depart from me. I don't know you. But I cast out demons and I healed the sick and I prophesied. I don't know you. So we have power and gifts, but no relationship with Christ. He won't recognize that. Does that make sense? 
So there's no authority. I just have power. How many of you have ever heard preachers or you've seen people, wow, there's healing, but there's something wrong with them. He doesn't even really believe in God. In fact, he preaches heresy. How is that happening? Because the word of God says that God gives gifts and the gifts of God are irrevocable. And because he's a just God, he stands for what he's established. Then it is our responsibility to have that personal relationship with him. Is everyone following me, tracking with me? A little bit. If you have questions, see me later. Don't send emails to Pastor Dan. I will try to answer that. We've been given power and authority which only comes through Jesus Christ. As children of God, we bear his name. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are adopted into his family, and we belong to him. Therefore, we have authority. We have relationship with him. He knows us. We are known by him. Powerful. And the enemy knows that, and he hates it, and he hates every single one of us in this room. In Luke 10, verse 19, it says, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, I have given you all authority, listen to the wording, all authority over all the power of the enemy, and you will walk among snakes and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I have given you all authority over all the power of the enemy, because Satan doesn't have authority, but we do as children of God. So we don't fight power to power. We are authority over the power of the enemy through Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? We need to understand our position in Christ is a position of authority. And when the enemy comes against you with lies and deception, and you try to fight him on your own understanding, it never works, does it? It never works. But when you go and you get into that relationship authority and you say, you know what? Those are lies. And the truth says, therefore, you're releasing the authority of the word of God through you. You own it. You walk in it. And the devil knows that he's got to flee from you. In this story, the demons come to Jesus and, and, and they're saying, Jesus, son of the most high God. They knew the true identity of Jesus. They knew his authority more than a lot of believers do. They named him. Who was he? Jesus, son of God, son of the most high God. That's who we serve. He is the most high God. He is authority. He is the creator of the universe, and he is the creator of me and you. And he places his authority in us. So that we can live fulfilled, undefeated lives through Christ. It is so important, if you are a Christ follower, to understand who is this Jesus that you follow. He is the son of the living God who shed his blood. His blood cries out. There is life in the blood. If, if your blood got sucked out of you, you'd be dead, right? There's life in the blood. When Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for us, it covered us. It covered our sins. It covered who we are. We are covered by the precious blood of Jesus. And we have to understand the power and the authority that that blood carries. Because I'm telling you, the devil does. And when we don't know, the devil has a heyday with us, doesn't he? The work of Jesus in this passage is the same exact work of the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives today. And I think, Pastor Dan, you guys have been doing a series or something on the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you've covered this, but the work of the Holy Spirit is the exact same work of the work of Jesus when he was on earth. The exact work. He did mighty miracles. He loved. He had compassion. He spoke. Conviction came for, for sin and righteousness. Holy Spirit does that to you. He says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you. I'm sending you a comfort. I'm sending you one that's going to bring to your remembrance everything that I've taught you. He's going to live in you. And within you, my work is going to continue, right? He passes the baton on to us because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. He's so powerful. Let's read Isaiah chapter 61, 1 to 3. And I think we have that on the screen as well. I love this. This scripture is my favorite, favorite scripture of all. 
it says, the spirit of the living God is upon me. Now, Isaiah was talking about Jesus here. He was prophesying about, about the Christ. The spirit of the living God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Wow, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to do all of these things. So he leaves the earth. Well, what happens to the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of the Lord comes and resides in us. And his work continues. His work within us continues that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. That he has anointed us to preach the good news to the poor. And that means the poor in spirit, those who don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ yet. He has anointed us to heal the brokenhearted. He has anointed us to set the captives free. He has anointed us to open up the doors of the prison to those who are bound. He has anointed us to proclaim the year of the Lord. He has anointed us to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God that is coming for those who don't know him. He has anointed us to comfort all who mourn, to console them, to give them beauty for ashes. To, to give them the oil of joy for mourning. He's anointed us to bring the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That people may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified in all things. Let's go back to the demon-possessed man. Mark chapter 5, if you can put that right up there again. So do you think that Jesus came and fulfilled Isaiah 61 in the, in, in the life of this man? Absolutely. When this man came out and he met Jesus, he came with an unclean spirit. The enemy has a plan for my life and your life. It's in John 10.10, 10, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has a plan. We're going to look at that in just a few minutes. And he had a plan for this man to completely steal, kill, and destroy him. So he comes out and said that he had his dwelling in the tombs. A tomb is a place of death. A tomb is a place of darkness. A tomb is, is a place where life is, is stopped. There's nothing more. It's the end. He lived in those places. And Jesus came to give him the gospel of Jesus Christ just by his presence. He met him with the gospel that would free him in the place of death. I need you to, to, to understand that. Even in your place of death today, is Jesus there? Is he meeting you right there? where things are lifeless, there's nothing happening anymore. There's sadness, there's loneliness. Is Jesus coming to you? And it says that he, no, no one could bind him. Nobody could help this man. This man that was tormented by demons, they would put him in chains, they would try to shackle him and bind him. It says that his strength was so strong and that the people were afraid that he would hurt himself, he might hurt other people. And so they would bind him and shackle him. But the strength of the enemy within him was so strong that those chains just kept coming off. And he himself was just breaking those chains off. But yet he was never free. And that talks about people's efforts of trying to help us, trying to help us without the word of God, trying to help us without the spirit of God. It's going to be okay. No, it's not. Not with, without Christ. No, without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be okay. Oh, I can't tell them the truth. It's going to hurt them. Then leave them in chains, right? And then how about our own efforts where we try our own efforts? I'm a counselor. And the life coach. Great. I love it. And I love helping people through counseling and life coaching. But without the Spirit of God, even my own words don't work. They don't work. How many people have sat in my office 20 years they've gone for counseling, 30 years they've gone for Christian counseling, and they are still in the same position they are 
20, 30, they were 20, 30 years ago, bound up in chains in their muck. Why? Because they're not allowing the spirit of God, the truth of God's word that offends sometimes. Because the, tr- the truth of God's word, you see, when the word of God goes out, it demands a response. I don't care what kind of response, it demands a response, whether you receive it or not. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit is through the word of God. So this man, he was in chains. He kept breaking his chains. Nobody can help him. Always, it says, and always, verse 5, it says, and always, night and day, night and day, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself. Could you just hear his cries? We read this passage and go, oh, that's a demon-possessed man. I wouldn't want to have nothing to do with him. But let's, let's look into him. The pain, he is crying out for help. He is cutting himself, maybe to relieve that pain, that internal torment. We know people that cut themselves. You might be one of them. It doesn't work because it's a physical thing. You're trying to fix a physical, a spiritual thing with a physical solution, and it will never work. And this man was crying. It said always, day and night, day and night, they would hear maybe wailing, maybe just just, just in pain. It would probably sound like, like pain of a, of a wild animal who is in pain. Think about it. Cutting himself with stones, trying to get relief from these tormenting spirits that lived within him. What a job that the enemy was doing on him, huh? Good job, devil. And nobody could help him. No one can help him. But it says this, when he saw Jesus from afar. Jesus wasn't even close. Jesus didn't go looking for people, you know, hey, you're demon possessed. Let me, let me deliver you. No. How in the world could this man run to Jesus full of demons? This is what I believe. We each were created by God. We each have a void that only God could fill. I believe that he recognized the creator. Why? Because that creator had authority and created him. And it was almost familiar. I know him. That's my creator. That's my creator. I'm going to run to him. He ran. He ran to him. How many times does Jesus show up and we're like, ah, is it going to work? Holy Spirit, really? Are you real? I don't know. Maybe it's my voice. Oh, maybe just thinking. We need to stop that. And we need to, by faith, go, that's my God, my creator. And I'm going to run to you with all of my problems. I'm going to run to you with all of my issues. I'm going to run to you with all of my filth. It doesn't matter. You made me. You can help me. You can free me up because you love me. For some reason, he ran to him. He must have known he was the source of love. He must have known he was the source of freedom. Or why would he have ran to him? And did Jesus go, oh, my goodness, a demon-possessed man is coming towards me. Oh, where's my way out? Right? People come to us, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying they're full of demons, but they're definitely oppressed. Or, oh, my goodness, you know, they have problems. (sighs) We try to hide from them walk across the other side of the street, maybe in the mall, he didn't see me, dip into that store, dip into that cafe, right? God help us. We have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. We should say, hey, how you doing? You're still not doing good? Okay, you know what? Let's go to the coffee shop. Let's talk. I want to speak some truth. Let me pour into you the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So he runs to Jesus and he worships him, right? Because If the presence of Jesus is here, if you're not worshiping, you have a problem. I'm just going to say that. Thank you for leading us into worship. I love worship. Worshiping God is my favorite thing. And one of my favorite things is worshiping God with the family of God. We're family. If you know Jesus, you're family. You'll never get rid of us. Mm -mm. Ever. So you better get used to us. But worshiping God is awesome because he's authority. He's majestic. He is love. He's unconditional love. He's peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the everlasting father. At Christmas, we always hear this from, from Isaiah chapter 9, I think it is. It's, oh, he's going to come, right? And he's going to be the, the counselor, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Yay. What? Who is he? 
That's my Jesus. I don't know who you serve or who you follow, but that's my Jesus. And when we get a chance to worship him together as a body, oh my goodness, I love what you said. Be my choir. Be the choir. Like a choir of heaven. Satan had that. Satan had that. And he doesn't want us to worship. That's not in my notes. He doesn't want you to worship because he was the worshiper. He was the head worshiper because I'll tell you the truth. When you start to worship him like this man, things start happening. Things start shifting. The evil spirits, whatever's tormenting you or oppressing you cannot stand in the presence of God. They're going to, they have to release you to worship him. And there is release and freedom through worship. Oh, come on. Come on. Your pastor's a worshiper. Follow him. Follow him. Be the choir behind him. Bring the presence of God so real and so tangible into your life that when you walk out of this place every Sunday or every time that you meet, the songs of the Lord are singing over you. You wake up in the morning with the song of the Lord. Some of you get annoyed because your pastor keeps singing the same song, you know, over and over and over again or the same line or the same verse. You're like, okay, can we get through that into the bridge, maybe the chorus? There's a reason why he does that. Is that the Lord is getting his truth into us. That when we wake up in the morning, the truth is there. And you shall know the truth and it shall set us free. That was not in my notes, but that's very important because this is a worshiping church. Because you have a worshiping pastor. I thank you for this, Lord. So he runs, he worships him, he cries out right now. The demons take over. Jesus, don't torment us. Please, I implore you. Oh, so now they're afraid. Right now, their power cannot compete with the authority and power of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Because if it was power to power, oh, they'd be taunting him. Come on, let's see who wins. There was a cartoon once that went through Facebook, and I, I didn't like it at all. And if, if any of you posted it, I'm sorry, take it down. Um, <laughs> it was it was a picture of uh, Jesus and the devil across a table arm wrestling. I don't know if you remember that. And I'm like. Oh, something rose in my spirit. I'm like, oh, no, they're not on equal playing ground. They're not equal at all. Oh, no. These demons knew that. Jesus, authority. I, I, I can't mess with this. All I can do is beg him not to torment us. Oh, they're asking Jesus not to torment them. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus said to him, to the demons, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Come out. You have no right there. That's my creation. And I don't suggest you do this, but Jesus did ask the demons the name. Don't start talking to demons. If you're dealing with a demon-possessed person, don't start talking. Okay. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. But this man says, my name is Legion, for we are many. The devil is a liar. Okay? The devil never speaks truth. Okay, a legion uh, is a, an army of over 6,000 soldiers. That's what the meaning of definition of legion is. I don't know if he had 6,000 demons in him. He might have, or he might have said that to almost intimidate Jesus. We are many. We are strong. Does it matter how many demons he had? No, just one is enough, right? But it was very interesting, so I just thought I'd throw that in there. So... So he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because that country, they may have taken um, territorial possession. Yeah, regions, right? Because there's region, it gets into that. But there's demons that actually take possession of different regions, strongholds. It's very interesting. If you're an intercessor and you, you, you start to intercede, even for Washington, the Lord will reveal to you what the strongholds are. We won't get into that, but you know what I'm, some of you know what I'm talking about. Because if Jesus would have sent them out of the country, right, oh boy, what's going to happen to their work? It's going to be messed up. The problem is that in that country, there weren't enough believers to cast them out of there. That's a problem. We need to cast out the strongholds out of Washington. Anyways, a large herd of swine was there, 2,000 pigs. Huh. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we might enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. And I wondered, I said, why didn't you cast them out of the country? Right? Well, first of all, 
Christians need to, believers need to rise up, apply the word of God, apply the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how you defeat the enemy. Okay, that, that, that's one. Another thing is, I believe that Jesus allowed the demons to get into the swine because it said that the swine fled, verse 14, and, uh, oh no, uh, 13, it says that the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So the demons destroyed the pigs. And I believe Jesus wanted people to see this is the work of the enemy. That's what he does. He destroys. The devil destroys people and things. Anything that God has created, he wants to destroy. Look at our music. What's in our music today? If he's in our music, it will destroy a person. I've known of, of, of students that have committed suicide because they were listening to certain music that told them to commit suicide. Okay, so the devil was in that music. The devil is in, 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 in sex. The devil is into, you know, look at all the pornography and all that that's going on. The devil is into everything that God made perfect in order to twist it, to pervert it. It's our jobs as Christians to take that back and say, I don't think so. Right? Okay. So they fled into, uh, they, they got destroyed and all of that. They come out of the man. And now the man who had been demon-possessed, verse 15, was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. In Isaiah 61, we just read that he's come to set the captives free. He's come to deliver all who are bound. He has come to open up the doors of the prisons. Was this man bound? Was he in a prison? Was he a captive of the enemy? Jesus came to set him free, and he did. It works. He works. His love, his power, his authority works. When we allow him in and to work through us, it works. He can handle anything. If he can handle this demon-possessed man, if he can handle the, the legion of demons, the strength of them, the evilness of them, he can handle anything. He is our authority. Wow. So Isaiah 61 was put into play through Jesus Christ for the deliverance, the freedom of this man. And this man ends up sitting. He wasn't running all around the tombs anymore. He wasn't running in the mountains. He wasn't screaming. He wasn't crying. He wasn't cutting himself. It says that they found him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. No longer did he need to feel ashamed, naked, evil, dirty, condemned. Because if you're feeling naked and ashamed and exposed and condemned, you are not able to sit with your right mind before Christ. Jesus came and did that for him. He healed him. He set him free. He has so much, so much that he wants to do for us in his right mind. This is what blew my mind. It says, and the people were afraid. When they saw that man sitting, clothed, and in his right mind, they were afraid. And they begged Jesus to leave them. Does that make sense to you? They would rather have this tormented, evil, demon-possessed man running wild, hurting himself, maybe trying to hurt others in their midst than this man who is sitting clothed in his right mind? You know why? Because we're so used to, much more used to the familiar because we know what to do with that. We don't know what to do with freedom. We don't know what to do when God comes in and takes that sickness away that we've held on to 15 years. Hmm. What do I do without my sickness? What do I do without that tormenting spirit? What do I do with, without my sin? What does a life of freedom look like? I'm not familiar with that. And so we hang on to our sins and our oppression and our depression and our despair and our excuses like a blankie. Like a blankie. Have you ever tried to take a blankie from a little toddler? Or one of the pacifiers, whoa, <laughs> you're like, wow, little devil. No, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> sometimes they're just like, they'll give you a hard time. 
that blankie. Oh, I have to say this. I don't know, Tucker, if, the, if Micah, my son's going to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, so Micah had a, a little blanket that the ladies from the church made him when he was a baby. Oh, it was Nicole's first. And then Nicole grew out of it, and I gave it to Micah. He stole it from, from Nicole. He did. And uh, we just dropped him off in Dallas at college, 18. He's almost 19 years old. And he wanted to bring the blanket with him. And I did. I packed it for him. And his roommate, Jacob's like, what's that? He's like, it's my blanket. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's cute, right? But we do that in the spirit realm with our sins and our excuses. It's familiar. It's comfortable. I like it. If Jesus takes that away, I'm vulnerable. I'm accountable. I need to change. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. The enemy lying, 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 lying. So how... Do you overcome and get set free? By the power of the Holy Spirit, by believing who Jesus Christ is, that what he said he came to do in Isaiah 61, he's doing today, if we allow him to. What would be the evidence of that? Galatians chapter 5. This, I think, is my last uh, verse, scripture. Galatians chapter 5, and it's verses 19, I think, to 23. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. Okay, go on. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, before we go on to these verses, so. All that means is sin. Anything that is against God, that is not godly and holy and and from the Lord, sin, God says, you need to do away with that. That's from the flesh. And the enemy works with the flesh. Okay? The flesh and the spirit, right, are always warring, right? The enemy wants to come in, devour us through flesh stuff. Okay? How many marriages has he ruined with affairs, with pornography? How many, how many people has he ruined with believing lies, right? He works with our flesh. The enemy works with our flesh, right? But Jesus, as we are reborn of the spirit, works from the inside out. So the devil, take anything that is physical. The devil works with that from the outside in, okay? So he works with everything that is physical, Then he works with your soul, mind, will, and emotions is your soul. So everything that's happening in in, in the physical, now your thoughts are tuned to that. Your emotions are attached to that. And now your will is surrendered to that. All this outside stuff. So the devil has the plan to destroy us from the outside in. All the abuse, drugs, whatever it is that's happened in the past, he takes that to destroy us. So eventually we'll walk away from God or we don't believe in God or we're just completely defeated, okay? Jesus Christ, when we are reborn of his spirit, he works from the inside out. So truth starts to begin to take place. Now I start to cultivate the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Now my thoughts are turned towards truth and towards the holy things of God. And now that starts to affect my emotions and I surrender to him. Does that make sense? It's just this counseling, life coaching thing. Come see me later. I'll give you a good break, right? (laughs) Little plug. I'm kidding. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Let's say this together. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Wow. We can have as much of that as we want. That means we can have as much of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, inside of us as we want. Because he is love. Because he is peace. Because he is joy. Because he is kindness. Because he is goodness. Because he is patient, long-suffering. That is the evidence of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Now, my husband and I are, um, 
what do we call ourselves now, charismatic, Pentecostal, I don't know, all these denominations, who made them up, right? We are spirit-filled, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And we do speak in tongues, okay? My husband was hired years ago at a Baptist church that did not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? When he was in the interview, we were in the interview getting hired, one of the elders said, who did not want him to come in, said, so what is your evidence of a spirit-filled life? And he was expecting Aldo to say, well, speaking in tongues. But Aldo said, well, a spirit-filled life bears the fruit of the spirit. That's how we know we are filled with the spirit. So he got the job. We were there for three years. <laughs> but seriously, the evidence that the Lord, the Holy Spirit work is in you is what are you bearing? What are you bearing? Are you bearing what the, the demon-possessed man bore? Torment and shame and craziness and, and, and a chaotic mind. And I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. I mean, if you are, you go see Pastor Dan. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, because sometimes we, we open doors to things and they come in. But I'm saying definitely the enemy tries to oppress us, the children of God, right? He really does. And so the power of the Holy Spirit living within us will counteract that. John 10.10, and this is my closing, John 10.10. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You've also heard the scripture, Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans not to harm you right but to prosper you to give you hope in a future wow we always say god has a plan for my life yes he does praise god and it's up to us to find out what that is right with the holy spirit but the enemy also has a plan for our lives and it's john 10 10 he comes to steal kill and destroy he's very strategic about it and that's why it's in that order he comes to steal the truth of who god is and who you are in god because if there's no truth and there's no god then he could come and kill every purpose and plan that God has for your life. Because if there's no God, who cares what I do? Who cares about purpose? So what? And if he can get you to that point and all in depression and despair and hopelessness, the third step, he comes to destroy you. And that word destroy means to render one completely and utterly helpless and hopeless as though one were dead. That's his plan for your life and my life. And yet we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And what are we going to do with Holy Spirit? Because he's come to set the captives free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.